Welcome to Bible Banter with Barb and Jarrett, a Lenten podcast for 2020 from the Episcopal Church of St. Martin in the Fields in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Today's podcast is for the first Sunday in Lent, Year A, focusing on the Old Testament reading, Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, and chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Listen in. Hello and welcome to Bible Banter with Barb and Jarrett, coming from Church of St. Martin in the Fields for Lent 2020. The Reverend Barb Ballinger and I are going to be going over scripture passages for the Sunday upcoming. Hello everybody. This is Barb Ballinger. Hello everybody. And I'm Jarrett Kerbel. Hi Jarrett. (laughs) And we both love to read scripture, study it, talk about it, share it, that's why we're clergy. (laughs) <laughs> and we want to include you in that this Lent. So, uh, this coming Sunday, the first Sunday of Lent, uh, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, and chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, if you're following at home. Uh, this is the Old Testament reading for the first Sunday in Lent. We're going to read it to you right now. I'm going to start, and then Barb's going to finish up. Okay. Here we go. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day you eat it, you shall die. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took up its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. Here ends the reading. Should probably mention that between chapter 2, 15 to 17, and chapter 3, 1 to 7, woman gets created. So, like, she does, like, there is a little gap here in the story, yeah, but that's why she's here in that's this why she's here. version. She's in the ellipsis. True, and we could go to a whole thing about how the original human was not gendered, and the whole idea of man and woman came when God separated another being from the original man. Not our topic for today. We're not going there. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. <laughs> uh, we're sticking with the apple, which is a great passage. And it's not vivid. in the story. Not in the story. <laughs> we don't even know what this fruit is. We'll just go with apple for now. Um, the <clears throat> Let's just get a few things out of the way, because this passage has been just abused royally in Christian history. And I was taught this passage by a rabbi, which helps. And... A, he pointed out, it's not an apple. Yes. It's a fruit. Right. And 
there is nothing to do with sex anywhere in this passage. Um, we can thank St. Augustine uh, in the 4th century for laying that one on us. Thank you, St. Augustine. <laughs> he kind of ruined this passage for all time, <laughs> making it about sexual uh, disobedience or fornication or something. It's not here. Soon as a snake appears. Yes. Thank you, Carl Jung. <laughs> so, you know, the traditional way of reading this passage from a rabbinical perspective and for some church fathers is, you know, God gave them one rule to follow. Look, you have everything you need. This is not a matter of not having enough. You have enough. You have everything. The whole other garden, just don't eat that apple. No. And what do they do? They eat the apple. They eat the apple. Or whatever fruit it was. Or whatever it is, yeah. <laughs> and so it becomes a classic text about obedience and disobedience. The struggle that Israel has with following and living within this relationship with God who asks a couple things. And the primary thing is don't act like you're God. Right? Right. Right. But then there's also this idea that rather than sort of a yes, no, and a right, wrong, maybe this story is also about kind of a growing up. So other commentators talk about maybe this is Adam and Eve going from a sort of childlike state where you know Adam is formed before the garden and before the tree and before the even the choice of disobeying God happens and then he's placed in that garden as a happy farmer and he's you know and he's he's got this kind of idyllic existence work is good but there is this there is this development that happens and maybe they grow up because suddenly when they're placed in the garden there's a choice maybe every day they wake up and they're like hey we're gonna eat of the drink not 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 today you know so what is that to decide to not decide and then finally to sort of be pushed over into doubt and then walk into the consequences of what you do right so one way to look at it is this is kind of a childish state right they're mm -hmm. coddled in the garden life is just way too easy and way too good and they haven't really gone over the past to maturity, to adulthood, where you do have to make decisions that have consequences. Right. And so, your eyes, um, your, maybe your eyes are kind of closed when you're younger. And what happens when they open and they see things that they've never seen before? Mm -hmm. You know, that wisdom piece, which is also sort of important in the, in the story to, to add, uh, when Eve sees the fruit, she sees that it's going to be tasty. It looks nice but it's also good for wisdom. And that's, I think, where you are getting into sort of adulthood. Right, and I think you said something really interesting, um, Barb, that all growth is a product of, what did you say, choice, pain, and repair? Is that your saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, right, as we mature, when we mature, we begin to make choices. And choices were all, will always involve pain. They may involve the pain of leaving something behind when we choose one thing over another, or the pain of estrangement that you know you really see developing with the relationship with God. It's a different relationship. That's very disorienting. And that God is committed to always be an agent of repair as we grow really is kind of a hopeful thing in this story. Right, and there's this... Maybe the story is describing the human condition and what comes with the human condition, which is this kind of queasiness, you know, this kind of discomfort and anxiety because we know that we're not infallibly correct connected to God. We don't, we know that we have some freedom, 
-hmm. And we know we're going to make mistakes and get it wrong. And some of those mistakes create more distance with God. And some of those mistakes, when redeemed by God, bring us back to God. So we exist in this kind of fluid boundary with God that's a little hard to manage. And one of the ways we get it wrong is by positioning ourselves as the God character in our own story. Hmm. Yeah, once we're out of the garden, now we're responsible for ourselves. Now we've got to work by the sweat of our brow, and we've got to toil the land full of thistles, and we've got to be masters of our own destiny. But from that very moment, God never actually stops being the master of our destiny in the sense of always reaching in. You know, even when Adam and Eve realize they're naked, they make themselves really lame clothes out of leaves. And eventually God's going to be like, you know what? Animal skins, much better for y'all. He is going to reclothe Adam and Eve in the future into something they can actually live in, in this world that is with him and maybe not as dependent upon him. Yeah, one writer I'm reading right now talks about how we often get our relationship with God wrong because we think of ourselves as too adult in relationship to God. Mm. When in fact we're children in relationship with God, we're adolescents in relationship with God, and we don't let God be as different from us as God needs to be. God mm. continues to have this nurturing, loving role with Adam and Eve and with Israel, and with the church, a beloved parent trying to help us grow into maturity. Mm -hmm. And it's challenging because we are rebellious, we are disobedient, we're afraid, we're nervous. We're all these mixed up things which humans are. And this story illustrates the challenge of the distance between us and God And how do we, the good news is that we need to end with is how do we get back into a relationship of harmony with God so our actions are guided into God's vision for us? That's what we're needing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that to be, uh, to grow up into God or to grow up into Christ is really to grow up into knowing where are sort of we end and where God begins, and that isn't a. It is a very adult thing to rely. It is a very adult thing to know when you need repair, and a very adult thing to ask for the help of God throughout your whole life. Yeah, I think that's right on. You know, we know we cause pain to each other, and we know that we live with pain and we carry pain, and we know we need repair in our relationships and in our inner life. And we bring that to prayer with God for God's grace to do all the healing in that world so we can, we can start to collaborate with God in addressing the pain in ourselves, the pain in our relationships. And this is something I learned from Barb Ballinger all the time, how to turn back into that pain, how to, how to accept that as part of our calling, uh, to be part of God's repair work. So any last words, Barb? Anything... I just think we just laid out the work of Lent to admit that we are human, that we are growing, and that we constantly need God to help us in our repair. And we're walking towards the big repair at the end of Lent. So let's just get ourselves ready for what's coming ahead. So maybe that's our prayer for Lent. Repair me, Lord. Yeah. And make me part of your repair. 
Amen. Amen. (laughs) Well, thank you to listening to Bible Banter with uh, Barb and Jared. Uh, We'll be back next week with the second Sunday in Lent. Um, We'll be posting this up on Facebook and various media for the church. Make comments. Tell us what you think about this passage. Stop us in the hallway. Interrupt our sermon. Tell us what you think. (laughs) Don't interrupt the sermon. (laughs) I went too far. I ate the apple. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Episcopal Church of St. Martin in the Fields in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. You are welcome to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock a.m. for a spoken Holy Eucharist, 9.15 a.m. Worship Together, Holy Eucharist for Preschool Families, or 10.30 a.m. Choral Eucharist. During Lent, we offer Compline weekly on Wednesdays at 7 o'clock p.m. Other weekday services may be found on our website at stmartinec.org. To learn more about our other Lenten offerings, including suggested reading, Bible studies, and Wellspring spiritual formation programs, please visit stmartinec.org forward slash Lent. Our Holy Week and Easter schedule is also available on our website at stmartinec.org forward slash Holy Week Easter. We look forward to seeing you here. Have a blessed Lent!